Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. We hope it encourages you to live and love like Jesus. My name is Kelly Fitzgerald, and I will be reading Colossians 3, 12 through 17. Therefore, as God's choice, holy and loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Be tolerant with each other, and if someone has a complaint against anyone, forgive each other. As the Lord forgave you, so also forgive each other. And over all these things put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. The peace of Christ may control your heart, a peace into which you were called in one body. And be thankful, people. The word of Christ must live in you richly. Teach and warn each other with all wisdom by singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Whatever you do, whether in speech or action, do it all in the name of Lord Jesus and give thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Kelly, thank you for reading the scripture today. We appreciate you doing that. So today we conclude the series that we've been doing since the Sunday after Easter where we've been talking about a life of resurrection. This series has been through the Easter season because, you know, we think of Easter as one day, but it's an entire season. Uh, the, Bible, the Bible reflects that Jesus uh, continued to appear to people and continued to teach people for about 50 days. And so that 50 days ends on the day of Pentecost, which is next Sunday. And so during this time, we've been considering what does it mean to have the power of the resurrection in our lives, to be Easter people. So uh, we've looked at this from a lot of different angles. Uh, We started with this is not our house, the notion that this isn't my church in the sense that we don't possess this church. This is God's house. And it is, it is to be a place that reflects God's intentions, that, that this is a place of prayer and meditation and scripture and service and things like that. We talked about how it's not about you, that uh, the Christian life is not about uh, my preferences as much as it is about me fulfilling God's purposes. We talked about the priority of the Bible. I mean, that's our book. There's a lot of different things we learn, a lot of different ways that we grow in our faith and other books we can read, but... The priority is the Scripture. It's the Bible. Talked about the greatest team uh, that God intends us to work together as a team. That God has gifted us and graced us with all kinds of different skills, abilities, uh, and experiences so that together we can, in concert, work together to create what God intends. Last Sunday, Pastor Jana talked about the Here We Grow that uh, it's about growing. I mean, the way John Wesley put it was you're always moving on to perfection or the process of sanctification. And so it's a, it, when you do things, when you serve, it helps the other person, sure. But it also is about your growth. How does serving, extending yourself to serve others, also help you to grow? And today we'll talk about becoming the person God intends. So the, so the scripture passage uh, that Kelly read, man, there's a lot in that scripture passage. There is a lot that could be said. So I just, I'm going to set a timer for 45 minutes just to make sure. What? Oh, don't worry. Don't worry. I know it can't go that long because, you know, church is supposed to be out at 12, right? Church is one hour, 60 minutes. That's it. Where'd that come from? You ever wonder? I mean, why, why one hour? I mean, <laughs> I was at a meeting one time, and somebody said, 
why is it church 30 minutes? Why, what's wrong with 30 minutes? It has to be an hour. Yeah, it, it's an hour. You see, this is a social norm or a cultural norm that, that a, a collection of people have practices and behaviors that, that are alike in such a way that everybody just knows, oh, that's just the way we do things. It's not written anywhere. It's not taught. No one sets you down to teach you about this. But you just know. You just know. A social norm. I mean, there's all kinds of social norms that we live by every day. Lots and lots and lots of different social norms. Uh, like when you get onto a crowded elevator. What happens? Well, you turn and you face the doors and you stand very still and you don't talk. And if someone starts talking, people kind of like, what are they doing? Right? That's not what you do in an elevator. You stand still and you don't talk and you face the doors. Try turning around sometime. Yeah, awkward. But, I mean, right, because you're, so you're in a crowded elevator and the door's shut and it's just quiet. Maybe there's, you know, the, the Muzak playing, but you're, and you go out, and then the door's open. It's always a person in the back that needs out, right? It's always the person in the back. Well, this is me. Everybody shifts, and they get out, and then door's closed. That's, it. That's a social norm. It's just the way you do things. Another social norm is uh, eye contact. Now, right, when you meet somebody, generally, you, you want to make eye contact. Well, not too long. That does get awkward. But, you know, you make eye contact. You look them in the eye. Except for those cultures where looking someone in the eye is an act of disrespect and defiance. Yeah. So they would not look you in the eye when introduced. They would look down. And that's a sign of respect in their culture. And you might think, well, why don't they even look me in the eye? They were showing you respect in their culture, their cultural norm. And I, and I use that as an example because in our day and time, because of uh, media and digital stuff and all the things we can see and experience all the time now, we are exposed to all kinds of different social norms from around the world. It just makes life interesting to see how different people do things. One more social norm, because it really has to do with church again, and it fits with what we're going to talk about today, and that is... Well, I mean, well, a social norm of appropriate dress, right? I mean, it, different things at the workplace, um, <clears throat> uh, the gym, the, I mean, there's, there's appropriate dress wherever it is you go. And so it used to be, right, appropriate dress at church is that men wore suits and ties and women wore dresses. And all the better if their shoes and purse match. That was, that was the social norm. Except it was portrayed as a moral good. So I remember, I remember as a kid wearing a suit and tie when I went to church and asking, why, why, do we, why do I do this? I don't wear a suit and tie any other time during the week. I could push back on things when I was a kid. And, and it was, well, when we go to church, we're, we want to show God our best. So we get dressed up to go to church because we want to show God our best. Now, it made sense to me when I was, you know, six years old. Although later on I began thinking about that and I thought, well, I'm just going to show God my best one hour a week? That's it? And is it just clothing? It was a social norm. So it was a big day. It was a big day when I was a teenager 
and uh, we were having one of those winter storms. I, I, from, I grew up near Lubbock, so small town, West Texas, and had this terrible winter storm. Temperatures in the teens, the wind is howling, there's been snow. And the, back in those days, you didn't cancel church. You did not cancel church. So we, uh, we, the, the buzz around the church, according to my mom, was all the women saying, I do not want to wear a dress. I mean, I don't want to wear a dress in this temperature. This is terrible. And so, but they were like, well, but, but we, can't, we have to wear a dress. So there was all these phone calls that were made. And finally, someone said, I'm going to call the pastor's wife. So they called the pastor's wife. And Beth said, oh, my goodness, I'm going to wear pants. It's way too cold to wear a dress. And I mean, things changed at my church after that. I mean, all of a sudden, it was like, oh, you mean, wait, we can wear something besides a suit and tie? Or can't, something besides a dress? Because the social norm had shifted now. Somebody had given permission to make a shift. You see, the thing about social norms is that they're always changing. I think we're living in a time that there's a lot of social norms being challenged. Do you think? Well, I see some heads nodding. Okay, good. You're with me. Yeah, a lot of social norms being challenged. Some of those social norms, of course, we begin to take the moral words to lay on top of them. So it's a challenging time. It is a challenging time because there's, it's, there's always social norms changing, but you know, sometimes they're just kind of you know, slowly or mildly kind of change. Man, it's, it, there's a lot happening right now. So, the thing is, I'm not here today to jump into the culture wars. I, 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 I think there's something more important to talk about than that. Because I think the question is, what does it look like to be a follower of Christ in the midst of culture wars like we're in the middle of now? What does it, what does it look like to be a follower of Christ that doesn't just get bogged down in a single issue? Well, today we have an excellent opportunity to do something I've, I've talked about um, on several occasions. When I talk about when we read the Bible, there's a couple of things we have to keep in mind. One of those is to be asking of the scripture passage I'm reading right now, is this a prescription for belief and behavior for all people for all time? Or is this a description of what appropriate behavior was in that day and time? Prescriptive, descriptive. Got to be asking that question because, friends, there were places in the Bible, certainly it was the norm for men to have more than one wife. Well, that doesn't work that way anymore. So we have to be asking those questions to understand that. And so uh, today is an excellent, excellent opportunity to do this because uh, Kelly read through verse 17, right? If she had read the next sentence... If she had read the next sentence, the next sentence is, wives, submit to your husbands. (laughs) Yeah. Now, I know I can't just leave that sitting there. I got to say something to that. Because there's a lot of people who would point to that and say, see, it says it in the Bible. 
Well, but you got to go further. This says, wives submit to husbands. It says, husbands, love your wives. It says, children, obey your parents. Parents, don't provoke your children. This is where anyone who's a child sitting next to your parent can elbow your parent. Children, don't, uh, parents, don't provoke your children. And slaves, do what your master tells you to do. Okay. What that is, is a part of the historically known, outside of the church, outside of Christianity, the historically known household code of the Roman civilization. That what Paul is saying is, well, you know, for where we live, we all know this is what a household this is how a household would operate. That's known outside of the biblical world. That's what the Roman civilization was about. A household code for the first century in a place a long way from here. So we have to understand that that doesn't mean exactly the same thing today. It doesn't mean that women are somehow second in nature. It doesn't mean that women should not be in positions of leadership and power by that one verse. That was a household code from 2,000 years ago. Other things I want to say right now, but I'm not going to. So, so I think Paul is getting at something more than just dealing with a household code in this passage. The scripture today began with the word, therefore. Uh, and so the reading, when it begins with the word therefore, as I've said many times, if you see a therefore in the Bible, you've got to see what it's there for. Uh, a few little chuckles. I, someday it's going to get an eye roll instead of a chuckle when I say that. Right, you've got to understand, what does it say before that? So before that, Paul in his letter to the, to the Colossians, uh, he's writing about uh, the, the old nature and the new nature and the difference that Christ makes for us, right? And he uses the metaphor of clothing. That before Christ, we, we were clothed in the old nature. And in Christ, we have new clothes. So imagine that, I mean, if someone is wearing clothes that don't fit right, they are torn, they're dirty, they're smelly, really not the right clothing for the moment. He said, that's the old nature for us. The new nature is something very, very different. So he's explaining all of this. So let's look at what he said were part of the old nature. We're going to go down a list uh, just to see some of the things that are embedded in this scripture. The old nature would include things like moral corruption, evil desire, greed, rage, malice, slander, obscene language. Now, you think about those things, and if you see that kind of behavior demonstrated by somebody, okay, that's not what God intends. To become the person God intends, that ain't it. Even though, of course, there are people that will act that way and say they're, they're just defending their Christian beliefs. And yet, Paul says, that's the old nature. That's not a new nature in Christ. So the places that you see that kind of behavior, you see it maybe even in yourself, because none of us are perfect. 
That's not who God intends us to be. So you take that nature off, take that clothing away, get rid of it so that we put on a new nature. A new nature that he says is conformed to the image of the one who created it. In other words, it is the image of Christ. We, we want to put on that nature. In verse 11, he then says, in this, Im- I'm sorry. in this image there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free. But, God is in, but Christ is all things and in all people. Okay, he just went through a list of social norm distinctions and said, we can push those aside because Christ is in all things and in all people. Man, sit with that for a little bit. So put on a new nature. We're going to be different people because of Christ, because of the power of the resurrection. We're going to be different people. So put on the new nature of Christ. Here's another list. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness, love. That's a very different sort of list. As as a matter of fact, let's just see them side by side on the screen so you can see them see the old nature versus the new nature. And, and so let's just kind of hold that there for just a little bit, that, that the idea is in Christ we are moving from the old nature to the new nature. We are letting go of rage and malice and slander and such as we move toward compassion and kindness and gentleness. That's a significant shift. It's a significant shift. It doesn't happen immediately. No one's perfect. But the person God intends us to be would be that person. So, depending on what, and each of us have our own challenges. Depending on what your challenges are, you may want to imagine what it's like to be compassionate at a time that sometimes it feels hard to be compassionate. Maybe maybe can imagine a time that you choose to be patient, where you're usually not patient, or a time that you you can imagine a time I'm going to choose to be kind, even when even when the other person is really not acting kind toward me, because I have new clothes, I have a new nature. Now. What many people misunderstand here is that, that, is that they, they, they think this means we can't stand up for what we believe. They think this means that we can't hold people accountable. They, they think it means that we're not going to have any disagreements if we're Christians. No. All that, because, see, I think some people have tried to make a social norm from the old nature. That malice and slander and rage and obscene language... They're trying to make that a social norm. No, we can say to somebody, look, I just really disagree with you. I don't see it that way at all. Here's my understanding. But hey, I'm I'm willing to listen to you and have conversation about this. Not everybody's going to do that. But the teaching of the Bible is, for people in Christ... That's what we should be doing. 
Now, there, there's always going to be social norms that we live by, and sometimes unconsciously, we won't even realize we're doing it. But it's important to understand that those are secondary to the nature of Christ. Some of you have heard of uh, the, the lectionary, the common lectionary, and that is, uh, it is a schedule of Bible readings uh, for churches to use over a period of time. And so every Sunday, if you followed it exactly the way they say, every Sunday you would have an Old Testament reading, you would read a psalm from the book of Psalms, or maybe sing a psalm, you would have a gospel reading, and you would have another New Testament reading from one of Paul's letters or Peter, Hebrews, one of those. If you did that, over a three-year cycle, you would read most of the Bible in worship. And so, uh, and these are, of course, scheduled according to what's going on. So, around the time of Easter, of course, it's talking about Jesus' crucifixion and Jesus' resurrection and and all that. And so, uh, this passage of of Colossians uh, 3, 7 through 12, I'm sorry, is that right? 12 through 17, sorry. (laughs) That scripture passage is, is the scheduled reading of the later New Testament, the Sunday after Christmas. The Sunday after Christmas. And you, you might go, well, that's a head-scratcher. I mean, why that at Christmas? Because it doesn't have anything to do with Christmas. Except when you think about what Christmas really is, Christmas is a celebration of the incarnation, right? The Word became flesh. That God is no longer just an idea, but embodied in a person. Another word I've, I've, I've heard before is uh, God became enfleshed. That God put on the clothing of human flesh. So then when you think about this scripture passage, you're like, oh, well, I kind of get it. Because what this is inviting us to do is to put on the new image of Christ. Christ that we would be born again as a new person, no longer living by the old nature, but by the new nature. I love the way Dallas Willard put it. Uh, he's a scholar, spiritual giant, just an amazing, amazing man, written lots, has written a lot of books. Now, he uses the word discipleship, but it, it, that's what we're talking about, becoming this new nature. He says, discipleship is the process of becoming who Jesus would be if he were you. The process of becoming the person Jesus would be if he were you. That is the image of Christ. May it be so. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. You are invited to worship with us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. For more information, visit our website, mysumc.org. Have a blessed day.